This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. You know, the world is a different place today than it was just a few years ago. When the United States held its elections in 2016, the idea of foreign interference in the process was, you know, still a new one. Now we know differently, right? Uh, we have an election coming up this fall, and today the Communications Security Establishment published a report on cyber threats to our electoral process, and the news was not good. The report says it's very likely Canadian voters will encounter some form of cyber interference in the upcoming election, and that could be anything from websites being created to fake social media accounts and more. And speaking of those fake social media accounts, one of the places where you see a lot of that misinformation spreading is Facebook. And there's a lot about Facebook in the news today. In the UK, as we've been talking about, the British government is proposing direct regulation of social media companies for the first time. They're talking about making it so that senior executives could face fines if they fail to block content such as uh, terrorist propaganda or images of child abuse. That's going to be a big deal. And just in the past hour, we've learned that here in Canada, six Canadian Facebook pages were taken down today. As a social media company says, it's enforcing its policy on extremist content and hate groups. We're going to be hearing more about that uh, later in the show. But when it comes to elections then, how can we deal with this? What are we going to do? The Minister of Democratic Institutions is Karina Gould, and she said this morning that Canadians can have confidence in the voting process because we cast our votes on paper. But, she said, we need to take care when assessing information surrounding the election. Where we have vulnerabilities is when it comes to individuals, both Canadian voters, when it comes to politicians, and in fact, when it comes to the media as well, and the information that we have and the information that we consume. And we know that there are disinformation campaigns that have gone on around the world to try and influence voters and how they make their decisions. At the end of the day, when a, Canadian's de- when a Canadian decides who they vote for, the results are correct. Those are the results because Canadians have made their decision based on the information that they have at their disposal. What this report is trying to do is to say, here are the different methods that may be used during an election to try and influence your vote. Take the power back, be critical, look at the information, look at the sources that you're getting, and use that to make your decision. That is Karina Gould, the Minister of Democratic Institutions. Now, to talk more about this, we're joined now by Jeff Semple, who's a senior correspondent for Global National News and host of the Russia Rising podcast. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us. Hi, great to be with you, Simi. What did you think when you heard this news then? Do you think Canada's particularly vulnerable on this? Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I don't think we should be surprised to hear that news coming from our elected officials and our you know, security establishments warning that Canada should expect that there will be some level of foreign interference during our election because that's just, as you say, sort of the world we live in now. I think in that, in that report, they said that last year, half of all advanced democracies that had national elections were targeted by some kind of cyber threat activity, and that represented a threefold increase since 2015. So all of this is changing very quickly, and I think Canadians should expect that. I think, you know, as they alluded to there, I don't think most people are expecting that we would see a meddling campaign, the likes that we saw during the last U.S. election, certainly not on that scale, but still, you know, significant. I mean, when we looked through, as as part of our research for the podcast, Russia Rising, I looked through 
thousands of tweets that Twitter had identified as coming from this now infamous Russian troll factory that was set up in St. Petersburg a few years ago. And there were thousands of tweets that most of them were targeted at the United States, but there were thousands there that, that specifically mentioned Canadian issues and Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. And as we looked through those tweets, it was, you know, it was quite interesting because oftentimes they weren't promoting one particular candidate or one particular side right. of an emotional debate such as immigration, they were promoting both sides. And it, you really could sort of infer from that that at least one of the goals was to try and sow confusion, make things feel and seem more divisive than they really are, and, and really just to sort of turn Canadians against each other wow. and, and create confusion about some of the issues. That is so fascinating. So you're saying, like, we tend to think of it as them trying to influence one version, you know, one side of something, but you're saying they were just trying to amplify the debate. Yeah, that was a, I mean, that was a big part of it. And I think that was probably one of the most underreported storylines that came out of all of this. I mean, there was so much talk, you know, and has been and continues to be with the Mueller investigation that's now just recently concluded about, you know, these allegations that Russia was trying to get Donald Trump elected. Um, but really, again, even when you look at the U.S. example, a lot of the effort was just focused on trying to sow division within the United States and really poking at some of these particularly divisive emotive issues such as migration, such as race. Um, and that that was sort of at least at least, you know, part of their motivation was to try and sow conflict in these Western democ democracies, including Canada. Right. So what does Russia get out of all this, though, Jeff? Well, that was one of the, the questions we really sort of tried to delve into as part of our Russia Rising podcast series uh, is to look at the motivation. Um, and, you know, what? there's no one sort of silver bullet answer to that question, and it really depends on who you ask. I mean, there are, but there are a number of prevailing theories, and I think uh, one of them was that um, President Putin, you know, has, has a real interest in making these Western democracies that often stand in his way appear dysfunctional, uh, even from ordinary Russians who, you know, look over at Western Europe and across the ocean to North America and, you know, see the Western version of democracy as being dysfunctional, uh, extremely polarized in contrast to Putin's version of what's often called managed democracy, sort of a one-man autocracy, that in contrast can appear, you know, strong and stable under his leadership. And I think, you know, Putin would have a vested interest in undermining Western alliances, such as the European Union and NATO in particular, that have, you know, in the past stood in his way of trying, when he tries to exert his sort of power and sphere of influence in the region and in countries surrounding Russia, such as Ukraine, for example, and that the weaker that these Western alliances become and the weaker these Western countries become, the easier it is for Putin to flex his muscle right. in the region and elsewhere without having to worry about a Western unified response. Right. So when we hear stories like this, then, and, you know, alerts essentially for us to be aware of what could happen leading up to the election, we need to know what it looks like, though. So is it hard to tell when this debate is being amplified or is it fake or is it real? Yeah, and I mean, you know, this is the one of the, the more chilling details that came out of our research was that, you know, when we look at the example of, you know, the meddling campaign that happened before the last U.S. election, it's worth noting that the number of tweets actually went up. After the last U.S. election, and I'm talking about tweets coming from this troll factory, so it didn't end there. Um, and that, you know, these tweets were retweeted and liked millions of times by ordinary, real Twitter users, uh, including many Canadians who were 
retweeting this, you know, fake news or, you know, these debates that were happening online. And it's a hard question to answer in terms of just, you know, how to identify these things. I mean, there are some, I mean, I think the biggest takeaway is just to sort of bring a healthy level of skepticism and suspicion in terms of what you read on social media and online, you know, particularly now as we head soon into a federal election campaign. I mean, some of these Twitter accounts were totally mundane and they would comment on things like Canadian sports results, for example. Um, you know, some of the time. So they weren't always, you know, it wasn't like a guy named Igor who, you know, pretends that he's living in like Vancouver and, and you know, I mean, it wasn't yeah. always that obvious. And and as, you know, people who, who really studied this stuff, um, in, including one uh, professor we interviewed at Clemson University who looked, they actually have a social media listening center. So they have the largest archive of tweets that came from this troll factory he you know noted that the tweets got sneakier they got more clever and harder to identify as time went on so i think you know generally speaking just you know maybe second guess the sources that you're seeing uh, in the same way that i you know often say it's like growing going into a grocery store and buying some food right you want to yeah. know who made the who where, you know who who manufactured the food let's look at the ingredients you know let's do a little bit of research before we put that food into our bodies and maybe we need to start thinking about information online in a similar way the way you describe it though jeff is just unreal i mean how the amount of effort and the amount of people that russia must be throwing at this is just huge well, funnily enough, actually, um, the numbers weren't necessarily as big as, as you might expect. And actually, they were able to do quite a lot with <laughs> the relatively oh. small number of people. There's never been, a, that I've seen or heard anyway, a very, like a clear number of how many people were, say, employed by this particular troll factory. But, you know, we aren't talking about thousands and thousands of people, um, maybe around a thousand, and that they had a budget of around a million dollars a week. Again, I'm talking around the time of the last U.S. election. And from that, they were able to buy all these ads on Facebook. They were, I mean, there are incredible stories about how they were order, able to actually organize dozens of political rallies, both for and against immigration, for example, in the United States. And they were organizing these rallies on social media from St. Petersburg. Um, and some of these rallies got violence and made national news in the United States. And they were able to do all of this sitting from their desks in wow. St. Petersburg. Um, so, you know, pretty incredible. Uh, I mean, yeah. you know, got to give them at least some credit in that for being effective. But it's worth noting, I mean, at, at the time anyway, there was a... Uh, there was a U.S. department that focused specifically on the United States, and then there was an international department that focused on other Western countries, including Canada. So, you know, I don't, I mean, obviously, you know, Canada is an important ally of the United States and, you know, the U.K. and France, et cetera. But I don't, you know, it's also important not to overstate, you know, the threat. I mean, I do see a lot of Twitter activity now where people are just, you know, having a healthy debate. And I think what looks to be legitimate Canadian Twitter accounts are being accused of being Russian trolls. So we can get a little carried away as well. I think it's just worth being wary of, that's all, and and, and just being a little bit skeptical, um, particularly when you see even things that are like advertisements on social media. Um, so if you, you know, the, the, these Twitter accounts would like to often, you know, on the immigration thing, they love to post fake news stories about yeah. immigrants being involved in crime. Um, and sometimes they weren't even fake. They were real stories, but they would amplify them uh, and, and exaggerate them and, and make it feel like this was happening all the time when maybe it wasn't. So fascinating. Jeff, thank you so much for explaining it to us this morning. Great to talk to you. Thanks, Simi. That's Jeff Semple, who is a senior correspondent for Global National News.